0: Cinnamon, where you gonna run to?
1: Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? all oh, that day. How to dream, cowboy.
0: Welcome back to the HBO Boys podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 9 of Lovecraft Country. And I'm James, and that was Ryan. We're going to recap and review the show. I usually say that first.
1: Hey, Ryan. Hello. Yeah, you are all discombobulated, but that's okay, because I'm right on track, and I'm going to let the audience and everyone else, and everyone else, by the way, is just like me and you, know that the name of the episode is Rewind 1921, as HBO has saw fit to introduce us to the Tulsa Massacre for the second time in one year.
0: Right, and that's what I wonder because probably the writing for this was done because Watchmen aired less than a year ago. Probably the maybe even the production had started on Lovecraft Country by the time Watchmen was airing, and you know they must have been pretty disappointed that Watchmen kind of ate their lunch on on bringing up this, which was until Watchmen aired, kind of an obscure part of American history that now everyone is pretty familiar with.
1: I mean, it only started being taught in schools in Oklahoma this year. Right. Insane. Really nuts. And I'm not sure on this, but I would have to assume that Tulsa is at least mentioned in the book, so it would make sense for it to be in the television show. Now, if that's completely incorrect, I'm sure someone will write in and let me know. Because it just feels odd. Like, I feel like they wouldn't have just created a storyline around Tulsa and the massacres for shits and giggles. Especially when they knew that Watchmen was already going to be showing bits of said massacre. Anyway, they did it. And we're back. And Hippolyta is a
0: Time Lord. This episode was directed by Jeffrey Nachmanov, who has directed a bunch of stuff for TV episodes of the passage the brave allegiance legend none of none of these shows i'm even a little bit familiar with and then one episode now of lovecraft country
1: he directed the pilot of chicago fire which i haven't watched but anytime you're like allowed to be a pilot director it means at least somebody with money believes in you he was also the writer of the day after tomorrow Yeah, I was looking at that just now.
0: Pretty funny. Day after tomorrow. Kind of a bad movie.
1: Oh, yeah. I do like to watch parts of it on YouTube. You know, when I'm not like emotionally invested to an hour and a half long, basically earth torture porn, and I can just like see someone fall through a mall roof or parts of California fall into the water with no consequence in real life. I'm down to clown with that.
0: Yeah, I like the part where the CGI birds clip through with a skyscraper and then keep going
1: that's good well listen James it's in that moment telling the audience something that everyone does need to know if you're standing somewhere and all the birds plus all the animals that are around you but mostly the birds if they're all going in one direction then you should also go in that direction
0: right and if the if the birds start phasing through solid matter you know something is really wrong with the environment at that point
1: yeah I guess don't go in that direct don't also try to phase through matter right maybe just I don't know run into the ocean. Hope for the best.
0: Before we get into it, we should say that we have a Patreon that, you know, we say this every single time, that if you want to get bonus content and speak to Ryan and I personally or get your name shouted out at the end credits, you can do that.
1: You know what, James? I think we've said it enough times. Patreon.com slash HBO Boys, Boys with a Z. I believe in them. I believe that they'll go there without us having to just hit them over the head with it. Let's just get into the episode. Patreon.com slash HBO Boys with a Z.
0: Uh, though we should say we're putting the money to good use. Maybe you can no. hear that there's
1: been a bump in audio quality on my end. Oh, that's true. My boy, Jamie. James sounds much better, doesn't he? And as the person listening is like, no difference is here heard at all. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I now have an XLL mark, which comes with a soundboard, which I'm sure we're all we're going to have a lot of fun with. Hey, Ryan, do you like soundboards?
1: I hate soundboards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I think they're really good. Yeah, no, it's so good. No, it, it, I, I already, ha- I want to ixnay the soundboard. The soundboard has an idea. A microphone that comes with a soundboard, it's like game tokens coming with pizza at Chuck E. Cheese. It just shouldn't happen. But that wasn't that was a very a good, good joke at all, which I guess is the point of that sound. I hate soundboards. No,
0: but you're being very honest, and I appreciate that. I think you
1: deserve a standing ovation. Right. I'm okay with that one. That's the only one I'm fine with. That one, Yeah, this sh- I'm seeking validation show, at all uh, times. That one's fine. It a- has officially jumped the shark. There's no splash sound. about to say you failed me uh, the fawns falling into the water how does that not a sound
0: right and i think we
1: also need like a like a
0: boom in there as well for when one of us gets a really good dig in
1: that's true like the... a boom headshot yeah although to be fair when we're talking about rewind 1921 perhaps not the reference to make
0: right <laughs> true true i was just speaking in the terms of a you know uh, when when we, we when we own someone who writes an op ed about raised by wolves,
1: oh yeah, no, no, uh, don't worry with James, I wasn't calling you a uh bigoted racist I, w- I wasn't doing that that wasn't me, but see i'm my own my own soundboard, got him
0: episode nine picks up basically right where episode eight ended. The main characters are worried about D because she is now possessed, and we don't see a lot of the possession. We just kind of get glances of it, which makes it even a little bit more scary. She's kind of turning into, what did you say the names were, Topsy and Bopsy
1: from Episode 8? I really hope that's their names, yes.
0: Tick says they should get help from Christina, but Letty says, whoops, I lost all our leverage when I gave her the photos. But Ruby says, no, Christina is now my close personal friend, and she'll help me out of deference and kindness to
1: me. Which seems short-sighted, probably not true. Christina doesn't feel like a kind of character whom is falling for Ruby and helping her out only because of that. It seems like she's helping her because it, at the end, will suit her and, you know, keep Tick moving towards Artem where she needs all of his blood. Christina does eventually agree to help D, but only in return for Tick's full cooperation
0: come the autumnal equinox. But also to do the spell that she wants, they need Hippolyta's blood, but Hippolyta is gone. Also, the spell will not lift the curse. Only the police chief can do that, but she can, like, reset the curse back to zero, I guess. Get it started over again, which not not a great solution, but
1: better than nothing. Christina is about to come in, be very helpful with her goddamn magic, but before she does that, she needs to, like, go do an errand or something, which ends up just being turning into William, going to Captain Lancaster's office, watching him bleed out of his nipples until he dies, grabs something out of his <laughs> desk, and then just, like, smiles as she watches death come upon Captain Lancaster's face. So, you know, tails is all this time. And also, isn't she
0: kind of fucking them over right here? Because she's like, oh, the chief could remove the curse, but she doesn't even broach that topic. She's like, yeah, I, I'm just good, happy enough to see you die.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure that a part of this could be like, but I'll let you live, but you have to save D. But, you know, Christina caring at all about D would not be very on brand.
0: Later on, Tick goes to find Montrose, who had left the apartment to go drinking. Whatever he's drinking is really strong, Tick asks, fucking drinking gasoline. Tick says that, hey, since Hippolyta's not here, let's go ahead and use your blood since you're D's uncle, right? and therefore her closest relative. And Montrose says, well, maybe not. You actually might be her half-brother, which would make you uh, her closest relative, because George is probably your real dad.
1: This would be the perfect time for the soundboard. The gopher. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God, that doesn't make any sense. That's mean. Anyway, right, this is an odd time for Montrose to just be like, oh, and by the way, I'm probably not your dad, but he does not anyway. Perhaps he has some liquid courage from the gasoline he was recently drinking, but, you know, Tick, in that moment, he takes it pretty poorly. He takes it in a way where he's just like, I mean... You hit me f- so often. You're an asshole to me my entire life while I sat here and wished George was my father, and he's dead now, and now you tell me that he could have actually been my father. You're an asshole. How dare you? Etc., etc.
0: The whole revelation is made moot because Hippolyta walks in anyway, so he did not actually need to reveal that.
1: No. Hippolyta walks in after being, we don't know where, in what time in what universe, in what layer of reality, but she is back and ready to save her daughter who is being disintegrated by a curse. So it goes, and she's ready to save her. And
0: this just gives me a great idea for the soundboard. We gotta get a womp womp in there as well.
1: This is how the podcast ends, James. You yeah, well, do you do jumped, a womp womp. We... I hang up the Discord call, and you never hear from me again. We, we have jumped the shark, people. <laughs> oh, God, fuck you! Fuck you,
0: dude. Using Hippolyta's blood, Christina reverses the curse, but she's unable to lift it. And as they're leaving, Letty tells Ruby that Christina cannot be trusted and that she is bad. And Ruby says that Tick and Montrose cannot be trusted and they are bad. And, and Letty doesn't really have an answer to that, but no. she does say, Ask Christina about the autumnal
1: equinox if you're so sure about it. I think everyone had a pretty good points here. Everyone's bad. Everybody kind of sucks. Everyone's like, yeah, well, is what it is. Ruby goes with Christina anyway. And Christina does like a restoration spell to D, which only gives her more time. But as you said, doesn't make her any better. So they need to do more plot-based stuff to save Dee's life. Hippolyta comes up with a
0: pretty good plan. They're going to use Hiram's time machine, go back to 1920s Tulsa, and find the Book of Names right before the massacre takes place. You know, it's like Avengers Endgame. It's like, oh, we know where the book is and when it's going to be destroyed, so we'll grab it just before then, and it won't change anything about history.
1: And we'll send Montrose back To the worst moment of his entire life, or at least like like a chain of the worst moments of his entire life, just like PTSD City, and uh, see how it goes. Put a really unstable, perhaps at one point recovering alcoholic who is now actually wasted. Just throw him back into Tulsa, nineteen twenty one. See how it goes. I'm sure I'll be fine. In Christina's lab, Ruby asks about Dell, the woman
0: who was like her Hillary persona is based on, and she also accuses Christine of just using her to get to Tick. Christine says that their friendship is not about that and that she genuinely cares for her. But yeah, she did want Ruby's help in the first place. And also, yes, I am going to drain Tick of all his blood for my autumnal equinox spell. And Ruby doesn't like this, but does ask her, you know, okay, well, sure, you're going to do that, maybe, but, uh, just don't hurt Letty. Christina's like, sure, I can agree to that.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I gave her a spell that makes her basically immortal until I choose her not to be that. So, yeah, of course, I'm on board with that. So, yeah, I mean, you can't blame christina honestly she's telling the truth if, as it kind of feels like she's telling mostly the truth most of the time and she tells ruby to her face yeah i'm gonna drain tick of all his blood and that's not a deal breaker for ruby apparently and also by the way not a deal breaker for me i kind of hope it happens tick is annoying by the way where's Jiha? The fuck is where's that lady? She was sitting at a table in in the last episode. I, I, she's I, I, just she asked,
0: like at the at the four seasons. I don't know, chilling out, waiting for the plot to happen.
1: Do you think she's going to come back at all? Do you think she sacrifices yeah, herself in she's the finale? Be in
0: the finale, I know she.
1: Do you think she dies in the finale?
0: I mean, possibly. I, I wonder how many main characters are they going to kill off? If looking at a possible season two, or if you know too many of them do die off. Maybe that's an indication that they're not
1: shooting for a season. Oh, P.S. And by the way, it is, I think, in- interesting to mention this episode, written by Misha Green, as well as Jonathan Kidd and Sonia Witten Odman. And they, the second two, have a one year deal with HBO to make another show. So it seems as though a large par- portion of the writing staff for Lovecraft Country are getting deals across the board with HBO. HBO it needs to fill HBO Max to the goddamn brim with content. So they're just letting everyone know that they can write them some shit and they'll put it on the TV. But still no season two for Lovecraft. So perhaps they're not going to handmaid season two this shit and just make some stuff up that's not book worthy. Or, you know, because there is no second book for Lovecraft or handmaids, which is why I make that reference. So... Maybe this is another Watchmen one-seasoner.
0: Right, yeah. Uh, you had mentioned earlier they would have to come up with original content, and that's not unheard of. You gave the example already of The Handmaid's Tale. The Walking Dead, I think, is also shot right past where the comics end. Uh, and what Watchmen is that other itself. one?
1: There was that HBO show where that shot past where the books were, but then after yeah. that happened, everyone blacked out, and we don't know exactly how it ended in I don't remember. I don't remember. We and, can all move on. the original author
0: Stop watching the show, or talking about it generally.
1: While live tweeting
0: Vikings. The end of the scene is a little bit, we get more more like evil Ruby. She pulls Del's life support system out and lets Del die because she's sick of being Hillary and now she wants to transform into someone else.
1: So, okay. Fucking brutal, but right on.
0: At the observatory, Montrose is outside drinking, trying to drown his regrets, and I think at this point we're meant to think he's kind of hearing scenes from an adult beating on a child and and we're supposed to think like, Oh, he regrets beating tick, right? That's what we think it's about at this moment.
1: (laughs) Right. But I guess project any introspection on him was short sighted, but they enter into the observatory and Hippolyta, makes it known to everybody that she is now basically a motherboard, which I think is a literal and figurative description simultaneously. Like, she is a motherboard, as well as a motherboard, has shit in her wrists, is a time lord, can be hooked up to this dimension time machine, whatever the heck it is, and yeah, she's, send the, them she's the back
0: a time Borg.
1: Yes. Very John luc Picard in that way.
0: So hooking up the machine to her own cybernetics she's able to choose 1920s Tulsa as a destination. letting and Tick jump right through but Montrose is like very clearly not wanting to go back to the moment where his life was destroyed but eventually he jumps in anyway.
1: Yeah and maybe he shouldn't uh, you know like they needed him to show them where the houses were and I know they didn't have just like Google or anything but I feel like With any amount of research, they could have done this without them.
0: Right. They could have been like, yeah, Montrose, draw us a a hand-drawn map from where we're starting to where we should go.
1: But instead, they send the PTSD-ridden, wasted person back to Tulsa 1921. Uh, it's It's a poor plan. It's a bad plan.
0: They arrive in Black Wall Street in Tulsa. Montrose's hometown, you can see he's very upset and disturbed to be back here at this point, and in a few hours, Tick's mother's home will be burned down, killing everyone inside, and also Montrose's family as well. They
1: hear through the grapevine that the prom that was about to happen this evening has been cancelled. That lets montrose know where on the timeline we are he says that happened only hours before both my family and the next doors family which is tick's mother and his family are also but going to die so they get going while hippolyta just chills by the way d's on the floor right next to her so that they can try to save her with the book of names which is what they're specifically trying to go get from this house before it burns down as
0: they're walking the streets of Black Wall Street, Montrose is continuously having PTSD flashbacks. And Tick, you know, uh, Ever the Charmer responds by calling him a lousy drunk. Me. And he's like, Oh, you're going to sit here and have PTSD flashbacks? You're a drunk. I hate you. You're not my real dad. And because you're not my real dad, I have no reason to try to love or forgive you. And we're through. And I'm like, Jeez, Tick, read
1: the room. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit much. Tick is like, This is important and you're wasted. It would be better if you were just a bit, like, clear-headed for this. But I guess, I don't know, perhaps that is a too big of an expectation for an alcoholic being sent back to his worst nightmare to go in completely sober. But, yeah, I mean, t- listen, I find Montrose annoying. I find Tick annoying. Letty is... Not that annoying these days, but she can perhaps get there in the finale.
0: is, like, I, I kind of like Tick.
1: I just, I don't like when he's bullying the other characters. Which, which is seems all to the time. One, once or twice an episode. <laughs> yeah, pretty like he's done it. If you've bullied other characters that I like 20 times in 10 episodes, I'm sorry. You're irredeemable and I hate you.
0: <laughs> When they reach the houses they're looking for, they see Montrose's father beating him mercilessly with a switch in the yard. A young version of T's mother and T's grandfather and George all intervene and eventually he stops. We find out from spying on this conversation that George and Tick's mother were meant to go to the prom, but... As we found out earlier, it's been canceled. And the reason that Montrose was getting beaten in the first place is because he had tried on George's prom suit, and I, I guess he had also pinned the corsage on. Not because he's a bit—he's a bit younger. He's not quite old enough to go to prom, so He doesn't know the corsage goes to the girl. And, and his dad flipped his shit and started attacking him. They're so engrossed spying on this scene of a young George and a young Tick's mom that they don't even realize that Montrose has just walked off at some.
1: Yeah. They didn't hear his footsteps at all, but okay, so he's wandered off into the past, and they decide that they have to go find him, because, you know, the goddamn butterfly effect, you know, the the Ashton Kutcher vehicle, ha- if ha- has taught us anything, they can't be messing around with stuff in the past, it will, it will destroy the, few, uh, the space-time continuum, have they not seen movies?
0: Although they haven't thought as far ahead as even Bill and Ted did, which is... They should have realized, like, oh, if we're already here, then this means that we have always done this, and no matter what we do, it's
1: going to work out, right? Right. Which is comes to light later, when Tick does a thing that is, at this point, vague, but will not be vague later when we talk about it.
0: So they decide to split up. Tick will go find Montrose and stop him from butterfly affecting, and Letty will go and find the book inside the house.
1: I'm glad you've adopted that. That's great I'm, I'm It's a perfect way to describe it, Thank you, Ashton. So to do
0: tick stuff first, eventually he runs into Montrose. He has tracked down his past self, who was meeting up with his best friend Thomas, who is about to be killed. Montrose wanted to be here because he thinks this is one of the lowest points of his life when he tells his friend Thomas that they can't be friends anymore because you're gay and I'm not right, so kind of now internalizing his own father's homophobia, and projecting that outwards on his friend, and they're about to be attacked by a mob of, of, uh, white rioters, and he wants to save him, and he's like, what, it can't be that big of a deal, I just want to save my one friend, and Tick says no, because if you do, uh, you'll change all of history, and Montrose considers that and he thinks, you know, all my life I wanted to think of myself as a real man, which is why I was so proud and happy to have you as a son, and why I raised you, regardless of my suspicions of whether or not you might actually be George's son. And that's why, okay, yes, I will just allow history to play out. I don't want to prevent, you know, having this relationship with you, because you are my real son either, way, which makes Tick very emotional, and they seem to reconcile again. These two have have reconciled now, like,
1: Multiple times. times, but this is the first time they've reconciled where afterwards Montrose doesn't cut someone's throat, so that's positive. Right. right afterwards, Montrose is forced to watch his friend die again, which is a bummer. Also, by the way, that speech was totally Michael Kenneth Williams's Emmy speech, right? Like, they wrote mm-hmm. that speech very purposely. They're going to enter this episode for him for the Emmys, and that's where they're just going to have people be like, watch this speech, then hand him the award, please. Does he not have an Emmy from The Wire? I feel like he doesn't. I feel like it's a very okay. Michael Scott from The Office moment in time where he like should have definitely, definitely gotten one, but actually didn't. Nope, he definitely doesn't. Also, by the way... The Wire never won Outstanding Drama Series at the Emmys. That's nuts. Uh, Emmys is a goddamn sham. Moving on. After Thomas is killed,
0: George, younger George, arrives to try to save Montrose. And they're both getting beaten up by the mob. And Montrose and Tick are awaiting the mysterious stranger from the story to show up with the baseball bat and save them. And that's when they realize that, like, oh, this is now... Back to the future, and you are the one who is meant to go and save us. Which Ryan called immediately as soon as it was first referenced in like episode four that this is how it would play out.
1: Right? Tick is Marty McFly. He runs in there. He beats the shit out of all those dudes and one lady. He smashed a lady in the face with a bat. (laughs) And. And then he says, I got you, kid, like Montrose recalls him doing in the past, future, future past. And, you know, this is exactly also like Jackie Robinson did to Cthulhu in the first scene of the first episode. And did he say, I got you, kid? I think he he might have did. Yeah, I I, I'm not gonna. I'm not a hundo on that, but I think he did. Also, by the way, the internet has posited that the hooded woman in Tick's future that he went to with one robot arm was D giving him the book. That's the new theory. That is fun.
0: Ah, okay.
1: We'll see how it goes.
0: On Letty's side of the story, the riot has started to break out in that neighborhood, and she's attacked by a bunch of white rioters, but although you know, she can't be hurt, but I think she's still kind of shocked and surprised that she's running away. She gets saved by, by both of Tick's grandfathers step in to save her, and they bring her into Tick's mother's home, and they have no chance to look for the book because everyone begins arming themselves to protect the house.
1: And it becomes very clear very quickly Letty is about to be inside the house as it burns down. And there's been foreshadowing for multiple episodes where she had the dream where she was in the house and it was burning. A uh, Burning house is, has always, for the entirety of this series, it's been leading up to this moment where, you know, Letty just has to chill. And so quickly, I was like, oh my God, Ashton Kutcher. Oh my God. She's going to get the book of names. Oh my God. She's going to have to stand there while people burn to death. What the fuck?
0: Lady searches the house for the book and she is caught by Tick's great-great-grandmother.
1: Yeah, she's like, you're wearing Converse. What the fuck are this?
0: She Yeah, she eventually has to tell her everything. And she also explains to great-grandma that she and everyone else in the house has to now burn alive in order to preserve the future. This is the Star Trek Prime directive. Mm. You cannot interfere with the past. And so even though you know... Now what's going to happen and you have a chance to escape, please die and let your family die anyway. A tough sell.
1: Tough sell. But to her credit, she takes it really well. Letty's like, I'm from the future. And the great grandmother's like, mm-hmm, absolutely. Keep going. And she's like, well, I'm from the future and you're about to burn alive. Mmm, Mm. That is tough. Bummer. Sucks. Well, let's get to getting. Yeah. And she agrees to do it in order to
0: not, I don't know, disrupt the time stream or whatever. Gotta say. If my, you know, great grandson or my great grandson's fiance or whatever shows up in the past and is like, great grandpa James, you're about to die
1: and you need to just let it happen. I'd be like, get fucked the future (laughs) (laughs) it's not happening exactly i'd be gone while they blinked like they'd blink once and they'd be like oh my god where's great grandpa he's the fuck out of here he is running away on his hobbled little legs he is not going to burn to death because you want him to fuck that
0: black wall street massacre ends up playing out just as it did in history Montrose and Tick arrive back at the hotel room portal, but Letty is still missing, and they can't leave. They're here for the book, and she's the one who was supposed to bring it. Tick jumps through the portal to see what's up, because it's kind of wavering, like it might close, and he sees that Hippolyta has basically been holding out as long as she can, and she's about to run out of strength, and the portal will close without her.
1: Yeah, she's basically bleeding that white robot blood from the Ridley Scott She is!
0: And I I was so confused. For me... Her spitting up the white blood was like seeing Drogon in Westworld. I'm like, what does this mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> As all of this is occurring, Montrose is still standing there like an idiot. He has a that thousand mile stare kind of thing going on. And then Letty is slowly but surely with the book of names in her hands that she got out of the safe with her great grandmother who is now melted. Walking down the street, uh, still being invulnerable, walking through all the fires, the planes flying overhead dropping bombs straight on her goddamn dome but it's not affecting her at all and she's walking super slow to be fair she doesn't know that hippolyta is like going through some shit right now and she needs to be going as fast as humanly possible but reddit has deemed her by the way leticia fucking lewis the unburnt mother of george freeman i think that you can't say the words letty anymore you just can't call her letty it has to be that every time are you fine with that
0: yeah, well, she she did kind of Daenerys her way out of that house, but I don't think it was like a moment of glory. It was like, oh, goodbye, tragically no. dead, all people who were kind to me.
1: Who the fuck thought it was a moment of glory?
0: It was different from Daenerys. You know, Obviously. Probably not something she wants to remember. <laughs> Yeah, no, part of her title.
1: No, it's fucking nightmare fuel. Anyway, they get back and jump through the goddamn portal.
0: Yeah, just in time, Hippolyta is able to reopen the portal, Montrose, and Letty jump back through with the last moment. But now Hippolyta's hair has turned
1: blue. Yeah, for some reason, she is orinthia Blue, dude. She's the comic yeah. book character that D drew.
0: Shit. Shit. And now they have the magic book of names, which I don't know. Do they have to give it to Christina? I don't think that was part of the deal. Now they can just use it to lift the curse and then immediately use it to kill Christina.
1: Right. Somehow I don't think that's how it's going to go. Somehow I think if I had to guess, so like basically this is the end, right? Can we do this? We have one more episode to go. Who do you think is going to die in the last episode?
0: Christina for sure. Like just forget about that. Christina's done for. Yeah. Yeah christina's gone not looking good for montrose
1: no no so far this is my list as well i have one more on my list Mm -hmm. who is it no your list isn't done yet is yours done
0: i was gonna say christina and montrose are in the greatest danger and, and and it would be at this point more of a shock if if atticus does die in the last episode than if he were not to if he were to break the prophecy and so I would say that Atticus is in a little bit of danger, but not a lot, probably. People want a Hollywood ending most of the time, and so especially if they even want to consider a season two, I'd say you can't have it without Tick, so...
1: Tick not going to die. No. Tick not going to die. Letty not going to die. Ruby most likely not going to die. I agree with you on Christina. I agree that Montrose is definitely second in line in the second most danger to Christina. And I think the third most danger is Jiha if she shows back up again. And I kind of want... I don't want Mm -hmm. her to die, but I want her to die. You know what I mean? Like, I want her to have a truly satisfying ending. Like, I want the reason that Tick is Saved in episode 10. Oh, uh, yeah, be that, that was a
0: prediction I, I was going to make. Gia will die sacrificing herself for Tactic, and at some point, Ruby will have a moment where she betrays Christina and comes back to the good side.
1: Right, which will inevitably lead to Christina's death.
0: Those are my main predictions for the last episode. Although, if they really wanted to set it up for season two, how crazy would it be? You know, somehow. Christina does drain Tick's blood and gets immortality, but then, you know, through magic bullshit. I mean, once you have magic, you can just do anything you want from a writing standpoint. Tick doesn't actually die, and so they achieve some level of success, but so does Christina, and it sets up a season
1: two. Right. Tick is now a horcrux. And Christina is Voldemort, and it's not how the Harry Potter actually ended. She just lives and everything is is cool, and there's a world war with magic. I guess that would be a uh, interesting season two. And then what happens with D? Assumably, I do really like that internet theory where she's the lady in the hood with the robot arm. So, you know, she probably has to live. But, like, you know, something happens for her arm. I assume that the curse is coming back, and they figure out that if they chop off her arm, it will go away, something to that effect. Right.
0: So, I mean, D, the character D, is only would only be a couple years older than like my real life dad and so she might be even alive in like the timeline of the show that reaches present day so assuming like they teach her magic too she could do any like degree of insane time travel or magical abilities right
1: yeah and then what the shit's gonna happen to hippolyta she gonna go back in the cosmos with neil degrasse tyson
0: i wonder about that so uh, rather than trying to guess specific things which probably pretty hard to do Mm -mm. do you predict that you will be shocked and surprised by the end of the show
1: no no i don't think so (laughs) i think it has or it's going to have a book kind of ending where you know the only truly surprising moments in this show have been in the vignette episodes And we're done with those. So I think it's going to wrap itself up in a way that is clean and not wholly surprising, but generally entertaining, which I guess that's the way I want it to be. Like the only other way that it can happen is if Tick actually dies, which I guess I prefer, but it's not because I think the story would be better, although it would. It's more so that Tick has been annoying for 10 straight episodes. And no matter what monologue he has about loving Letty or being real sad he did war crimes or yelled at Jiha, I will never forgive him. Like, he can't do anything in episode 10 where I'm just like, you know what? I like him now.
0: Yeah, I am also predicting a feel good Hollywood ending. But hey, if they wanted to do, you know, Lovecraft genre fiction ending, that it should end in the darkest and worst way possible
1: yeah i think like the less likely end to happen is tick sacrifices himself for letty christina sacrifices herself for ruby montrose lives jihad doesn't show up at all which would be a goddamn travesty Hippolyta dies. Like, how is Hippolyta not
0: powerful enough to just, you know, defeat Christina and write everything on her own? You know, she said she lived for like 200 years.
1: It's literally Voldemort yeah. versus the Doctor. Which is fine with me. Let's see that shit.
0: But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to this, and and we haven't really brought this up yet. But looking forward to the end of this show much more than I was coming into the last episode of Raised by Wolves, where I could hardly be fucked to watch it in the first place.
1: Well, that's because a lot of the middle episodes of Raised by Wolves were wholly bad. And since episode five, Lovecraft Country has been on a goddamn rocket shooting up into the air and getting better and better. But, you know, at this point, There really are no gigantic mysteries. Like, there are more mysteries in Raised by Wolves than there are in Lovecraft Country. And like we just predicted, there most likely isn't going to be anything very surprising that happens at the end of this show. I think the taste in my mouth when this show ends will be, okay, cool. Like, I just it won't feel like how it felt to me when Watchmen ended, where things happened that I did not see coming, and it had low points, but the high points outweighed them so greatly that I look back and have a very nostalgic, loving feeling for Watchmen. I think my nostalgic feeling for Lovecraft will be like, that was pretty cool.
0: (laughs) And maybe it's not so fair to compare the two, but because of the whole Black Wall Street massacre thing being an important plot point in both shows, I will say that not only did Watchmen do it first, but I think that Watchmen did it better. And, and if Watchmen hadn't done it, I think we'd all be blown away by, you know, realizing that this was a thing that happened and by the portrayal of it in Lovecraft Country. But Watchmen already beat them to the punch, which is unfortunate because it, it does take away a bit from the drama of Lovecraft Country. In, in just to kind of like meta-analysis.
1: It does. You feel like there had to be an internal meeting with HBO and their content directors where they were like, hey, Misha Green. So we know it was part of the book and everything, but... They've kind of just, like, already did that in Watchmen, and we got a call from the Emmys months early because they're rigged and we paid them enough, so Watchmen's <laughs> gonna totally win all those. I mean, not as much as Schitt's Creek did, but, like, they're gonna win a lot of Emmys, uh, including the one where they have that black and white episode that you'll never be able to overcome in quality. So I, I think maybe just, like, shy away. Just, you know, just don't do it. Figure out something else. And Misha Green was like, you know, yeah, even worse
0: that. than that. At a, at, a, at a Hollywood Hills cocktail party, Misha Green pitched her adaptation of Lovecraft Country to Damon Lindelof, and he's like, oh, interesting idea, Misha. What are you thinking? 2020? Mm-hmm. Fantastic idea. I gotta idea. go. Right. I gotta get the <laughs> fuck out of here. It's been a great show so far. Looking forward to the finale, and and, and, and you'll catch us here with that next week, and yeah, b- b- no, I was gonna give it a letter grade, but it's not time for
1: that. That's next time. No, it's not time. It's not time, but you know what it could be time for, James? To pick one last thing on the soundboard because you can never do it ever again. So make this a good <laughs> one, okay? Make this sound the best you can do.
0: Well, first, just let me say if you're just listening, it means a lot, guys. If you want to support the show on social media? He's at Westbrook Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. We're also on Facebook, HBO Boys B O I Z, same as the name of the show you're listening to right now. Also, if you want to underwrite the show, you can hit us up on Patreon.com/slash HBO Boys for bonus content. A patrons only chat and ryan will shout out your names
1: at the end of each episode i'm gonna do that right now for carol andreas major woody john Baca, Man, craig day 11 westworld Brentkin, chris wood atheism is unstoppable hello underscore yo cliff wilding james watch my dong <laughs> <laughs> Uh, day 11 podcast nicole harbaugh greg and anthony wells i did it backwards i was really trying to mess you up i knew you were gonna do some shit Well, to be fair i knew you were gonna do some shit because i very specifically asked you to all right that's it that's it you can't do any more <laughs>
0: going to now retire the soundboard. I'm just going to pull the buttons out. A little uh, screwdriver,
1: maybe. Yeah, it took you months to get this. Throw it out immediately. Those of you listening, you'll know
0: now uh, what's going on with my voice, but Ryan doesn't know because he can't hear what goes through the soundboard. But we all know now that I'm doing a funny voice with, uh, with the soundboard, and,
1: and Ryan is no idea. God damn. I, I don't like this. I don't like this one bit. <laughs> But join us here next week for Lovecraft
0: Country Season 1 finale entitled Full Circle. Written by Misha Green. Full Circle. Directed
1: by, yes, Nelson McCormick. It's Full Circle. Oh my god. Are they going to.
0: Yeah, they're going to Avengers Endgame.
1: Are they going to Dark Tower us? Is that what's going to happen? All things serve the beam. Oh god. Yeah, well, how about that, James? I don't need a soundboard. I have headphones and YouTube. Take that. <laughs> I swear to God, if your that's voice gonna- was high-pitched and weird... <laughs> that's it. <laughs>